Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 158. We're recording this live late at night, Sunday, December 1st, 2013. My name is Rob Woodbridge from untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Joining me, as always... It is Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association back in Toronto and ready to bring you the latest and greatest in the uh, world of location-based marketing uh, yet again. Here we go. So you were traipsing around where? Or Scotland? I was in Scotland. I was in Edinburgh uh, for uh, most of the week. Got back late last night. And uh, yeah, great, great time, great event. Uh, it was launch of a new LBMA chapter there. We had a great turnout. Uh, a lot of the local startup community. Uh, we had a couple interesting brands out and uh, agency folks. Uh, we had um, uh, a couple people from Harvey Nichols, which is a big retailer uh, over in the UK. Uh, we had... Uh, somebody from marketing who um, is one of the big bus tour companies, which was kind of cool, and they've got a new app out themselves that uh, is a very lo location-based uh, app for you know all, all things to do with uh, tour tourism and buses and all of that. Uh, so yeah, it was it was really interesting, and uh, just met a lot of good people, had a great time, even got you know a few hours to you know see some of the sites and just walk around. Um, so that was nice. Saw the pictures. I did see the pictures, but I, I I'm gonna as I always do. I got to ask is I mean. What's the maturity level of the location-based marketing world? Software, hardware, services going on in Scotland. What are you seeing there? You know, I, I think it's um, I, I think it's in its infancy. I think there's still you know so much opportunity there. I mean, there are some great startups. We've talked about Base Warp before. That's yep. uh, was the sponsor of our event. There's um, you know I would say the most mature startup you could call it is is a well-known company now called Skyscanner. Uh, which is a big flight um, app company, and uh, like they've just gone from like you know five people in a university uh, you know offshoot to I don't know how many they got now, but like probably five hundred. Um, so they you know they've done really well uh, in that space. Uh, but yeah, there's some interesting startups there, um, but certainly you know lots to do. And I think the challenge with 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 that market is is that. Um, you know, unlike London, where you have so many big brands headquartered there, you know the the brands are certainly in Scotland. They're represented, but you know a lot of the decision making is is in other is in London or elsewhere, right? In terms of the actual ad expenditures right, and things right. like that. So, you know, it's uh, so you've got great tech coming out of the university environments, uh, like we do, for example, here in Waterloo, uh, and all the spin-offs that come from that, or um, and so on. But it, it's. Uh, you know, I think it, it, they then have to export, you know, the this technology into other markets. The one thing Scotland has going for it that I think is, you know, outside of the of that part of the world, we don't really, you know, see as much is there's so many big festivals in Edinburgh. <laughs> there's the Edinburgh Festival, the Fringe Festival, there like all these huge festivals. Like the Edinburgh Festival is like three times the size of South by Southwest, uh, and it's music and tech and call it's the exact same thing just so much bigger um, and uh, you know and so obviously there's a lot of tech that you know gets you know exposed there the brands come in for that um, you know and and lots of opportunity in that sense and, and I think there's you know in the music side of it as well um, you know that goes with that and we've talked a lot about you know content being an interesting play here right. so I think that's where there's a lot of opportunity for them you know they really really you know Scotland is 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 you know, you got tourism as its kind of biggest, one of its biggest things uh, in terms of, you know, sectors. You have food and beverage, um, you know, obviously all the great, you know, distilleries and so on over there uh, pushing out uh, stuff and lots of money in that in that sector uh, as well. And, uh, you know, so, you know, and then obviously the financial sector, you know, Scotland's big on banking and, you know, uh, and all that. So, uh, so, so I think there is huge opportunity, but it's I would say you know we're you know just starting uh, in that market and and lot, lots to happen yet. You know I was um, I was raised for uh, for a couple of years. Uh, you know my both of my parents worked uh, for a living, uh, very hard in fact, and they traveled quite extensively when we were younger. So we had a nanny, a live-in nanny, 
And um, my, my nanny's name was uh, June Bibinu. June Bibinu, and she was Scottish. And uh, that, that woman could pound liquor. Like, it was crazy what she could do. There's a, there's a, uh, there's, there was a Scottish uh, pub, like, in the Byward Market here in Ottawa. Um, and she used to go there, like, every Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. And, and my mother would tell me later on in, in uh, my life that, uh, you know, that she would actually uh, wake up in the morning and <laughs> go and get her coffee on, you know, on a Friday morning. And she'd look out the window and there would be June sleeping on her front lawn. <laughs> this is the woman that she was entrusting her kids with. So uh, I, I love the Scottish people. Just hey, because, but you, tur you turned out all right. It's so funny. She gave me my first cigarette. Uh, she gave me my first drink of alcohol. I think it was maybe like it's today it would have been called child abuse. But uh, back then it was okay because she was just completely hung over every Friday, Saturday and Sunday. It was the best thing ever. So June Bubanu, if you're listening to this. Oh man, God, God bless you. You, you are such a great, a great woman. That's my, that's my interaction uh, with the Scots. So um, I'm glad you had a great event. And we have one coming up, um, you know, in, in a couple of weeks, like uh, 10 days uh, motive on uh, December 12th and 13th uh, in uh, just outside of Washington, D.C. GoMotive.com. We're going to be uh, occupying a little bit of time there together. Some same air, same space, man. I'm looking forward to I can't it. believe we're going to be in the same room, Rob. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy. But anyhow, yeah, excited about that. Uh, you know, we're looking at uh, you know location and where it's going and what it means for app developers and all of that. So uh, excited about that opportunity and to obviously spend some time uh, with you and and uh, deliver a joint session. That'd be fun. As long as it's warmer than the city I'm living in right now, that's fine. I don't care. We just, yeah, <laughs> just get pounded with more snow. Yeah. So that's uh, the 12th and 13th of December, gomotive.com. If you can make it out, please come on out and, uh, and uh, meet us and uh, hang out and let's have a, a couple of conversations. We'll be in there on the 12th and please. And Asif's doing a, a keynote uh, early on the 13th as well. So this will be fun. If you can make it out there, please do. Uh, we'd love to see you. And if you're going to be there, reach out. Robin on tether.tv or Asif at theLDMA.com. We'll see if we can uh, connect and have, have, a, have a beverage or something like that. Even if it's in the morning. That's okay. June taught me well. Yeah. All right, we have a uh, jammed show today. I know that you have nothing left after this because uh, the LBMA is uh, taking uh, their siesta through December and enjoying the holidays with the families, and you'll kick it up in January. So we'll be coming up with some announcements, I'm sure, uh, starting in January of uh, next year, 2014, man. But we've got our typical bevy of stories here, six great stories, our mobile minute, our app of the week, which is uh, somebody that you obviously spent some time with when you were in Scotland, um, our guest, which is, who is uh, Jeremy Ozen, who is the uh, co-founder of Avistar Media. And of course, we've got a great resource that compares the QR codes with NFC. But before we do all of that, we are going to kick it off with Chuck Martin and our mobile minute. Take it away, Chuck. Welcome back to another Mobile Minute. Clearly, there is a huge difference between the way we use the PC and the way we use mobile to shop, right? Uh, yes. Uh, again, some more new research. Because the holidays are coming, we're getting so much research. It's quite amazing. Uh, in a company called Millward Brown Digital, the digital version of Millward Brown, uh, based out of Boston, they found that the majority, 60% of mobile consumers, conduct research uh, by mobile before they even leave their house. And when you look at PC shopping being heavily oriented around research and consideration, most of it is transactional in nature. And what they found was that 50% these are of, of mobile shoppers. 50% found store information, 48% compared prices, 46% made a purchase, 44% reviewed a product description, 43% checked the status of an order, 39% looked for coupons, and 32% checked to see if an item is in stock at a specific store. So they're, they're really looking at involved in the transaction, the commerce transaction using the mobile device. So for the shopping season, it's not gonna be just people going to the store. It's going to be going to the store, but interactively looking for uh, the information that's going to help them make a decision to buy. So how do these poor, poor, poor retailers really begin to understand the consumer's new and twisted path to purchase? Yeah, it's what we call the mobile shopping life cycle. They have to realize that consumers, they don't go shopping anymore. They are shopping. They're always shopping. So they have to be interacting with the consumer through the entire cycle of this, this mobile shopping process. It can't just be when they get to the store. In many, many cases, when it get, they get to the store, it's too late.
And that is Chuck Martin, author of two amazing books on the mobile industry. Go pick him up. Just do a Google search for Chuck Martin. You're going to find him everywhere. And I thank him for doing these episodes with me every week. And I thank him for allowing us to use this episode on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. On with the show. You found an app. I did. A single uh, app. It's called Silver Imp. Uh, <laughs> I-M-P. Uh, and uh, this came from my travels this this week to uh, to Edinburgh. I met uh, this woman named Bonnie Lawson Brown, who is uh, one of the uh, founders of this company, Silver Imp. And uh, you know, an interesting technology. And you know, I got to spend some time with her and 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 kind of understand a little bit about how this thing works. It's uh, you know, not really uh, you know sort of widely available everywhere around the world yet per se. Uh, it's Android. Um, but uh, you know the the concept of what this thing means, I think, is really interesting, and there's some patents pending around it. But really, it, it's you know sort of the, there's the consumer app facing piece of this uh, in terms of you know social discovery and finding things around you and and getting content that makes sense based on your location. But there's also the sort of the you know the the business management uh, you know retailer merchant management piece of this on the other side, which is a cloud based uh, piece. So. What what what's interesting about this? What I like about this thing is is uh, you know as you're moving around with this app, uh, and it's learning about your patterns and your interests and you know what you've done you know before and and what you might be doing in the future. The content that's being delivered to you is is completely contextual based on time and place and location. Um, and so it's not you know there's content sitting up in the cloud and you come to a certain location and it pulls that content down and it's the same for everybody it's not at all uh, it's very much you know personalized and unique and relevant to the individual based on all that stuff it's learned in the past and finding the appropriate content that's sitting up in the cloud and the, and and then on the other side enabling the you know the merchant or the business who's pushing that content into the cloud to have, you know, control and management over that system over there as well. So, you know, that sort of two-prong uh, approach and then the ability to deliver, you know, contextual stuff, uh, I found it really interesting. Very cool. You know, it's one of those things that we have a story, our sixth story here, which we're going to be talking about the storefront of the future with uh, Rehab Studio. And I think that as we go through that story, consider, think about what Silver Imp is doing. And, it, you know, uh, my, my one complaint about what Rehab Studio's uh, storefront of the future is, is I think something that maybe Silver Imp can actually solve, which is that contextualized uh, piece mm -hmm. as well. So if you're interested in that, go to silverimp.co.uk silverimp.co.uk. I don't know if it's available yet, right? It's, and it's going out on Android first. Yes. That is that that's something that we were saying right before we started doing the recording is that uh, obviously in Europe and, and uh, in greater parts of Asia, um, they're releasing Android first and not iPhone first. Like it seems like we're doing in North America, iPhone first. That's what you're seeing. That's a, that's obviously what you're yeah, seeing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. That's uh, it's I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I just I, there's just a higher density of that there. And I, and I think the other thing, too, is, is you still have. You know, a, a fairly good install base. You know, sort of coming from the Nokia culture. Right. You know, uh, in Europe in particular. Uh, you know, around you know the non-iPhone device. You know, as being the first device. So, um, but yeah, I mean, still plenty of iPhones around too. But yeah. Anyhow. Well, and uh, there's uh, statistics that are coming out from from Black Friday that they're, they're starting to roll in right now. And of course, uh, you'll be watching this probably on Cyber Monday. But if if you start to consider the impact that the iPhone has versus Android devices, I, there was a statistic that flew through over the weekend that said that the um, the revenue generated from iPhones is five times greater than it is from Android devices, and people's propensity to buy is much higher on an iPhone than it is on an Android device. And I think that there's a that the gap may be shrinking a little bit, except for what happened over this weekend. It was just a staggering statistic, and I'll right. keep that open as uh, and I'll, if I find it, I'll, I'll include it. A link in the show notes but uh you, you know it's just it's it's interesting to see how this world shapes up and and um if you're like me you don't really care about the operating system you care about the service layer that's on top of it and that's what silver imp is is doing starting with android so very cool silverimp.co.uk nice. all right into the stories man uh we're gonna jump into our first one because hey this is an ottawa story introducing ottawa nap the City of Ottawa mobile app that delivers up-to-the-minute customized traveler information when you need it most. Ottawa Nav provides real-time traveler information directly from city officials. So if there's a road closure or event on your route, you'll know about it, helping you make smart decisions while you're driving, cycling, or even walking. If it sounds like a smart traffic app, well that's only one piece to what Ottawa Nav is growing to become. 
The driving mode provides verbal information, construction activities, special events, and unplanned situations. The passenger mode presents maps and access to over 200 traffic cameras around the city. By having AutoAnav on your smartphone, information you need finds you. You no longer need to search for it. More than an app, it's your traffic management information hub right on your smartphone. Join us throughout the growth of Ottawa Nav. Let us build upon Ottawa being one of the most connected Canadian cities, delivering the most reliable and relevant traveler information to the public. At least it's about the city of Ottawa, which is my hometown, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. It is the nation's capital. That means the capital of Canada, not the provincial capital, which is Toronto. So we've got two capital cities here. But, uh, we do. Yeah, uh, obviously one's in the shadow of the other, and you guys can be the judge of which is which. But this company, <laughs> a Toronto-based company nonetheless, came into Ottawa, a company called Flybits. Um, they actually have a platform called Flybits, and it connects, uh, this time they've actually built an application for the city of Ottawa that connects uh, users to municipal services and infrastructure providing relevant real-time information. This is real-time information from construction, which is pretty much from... I don't know. They're doing it year round now. I don't know how they do it, but construction updates, collisions, uh, speed limit notifications and uh, uh, school zones and traffic and directions into a nice little application that's bundled up. And and the city is promoting this like stink. And I think that it's uh, it's actually very interesting that this is something that the city is going after. You know, they, they opened up the data. Ottawa, about two and a half years ago, opened up the data uh, for app developers to build on top of this platform. Uh, so it had uh, bus routes. It had all of the other, it had all of this information. And there's a big hoopla and it kind of faded down locally. And then this company, uh, Flybits, came in and, and, uh, and, and built this for the city. And it's a link right off of the city's website. It's, um, it, it's interesting, although I don't understand why people are still stuck on this traffic thing. Like, there's got to be much more to this than, than just traffic. That's my view. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and I think the traffic is just the easy one to kind of, you know, put in there first because, you it's know, that information thing. is really available yeah. and, you know, th there is some utility to it. But, uh, you know, I was, as I was reading about this, you know, a bit further, I mean, I was, um, I was intrigued, but, you know, on the one, on the one part of it, which is that the, the content is different or, or the sort of the interface is different based on whether you're the driver of yeah. the vehicle yeah. or the passenger. Right, and I, I thought that was kind of interesting uh, to kind of you know see that they've taken that approach and that focus on, you know, kind of bringing a different level of content experience based on you know what what position you were in, yeah, around that, and 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 you know it really is you know it seems like just like the silver ramp thing, it seems to be you know kind of looking towards a future of sensing context uh, and what your needs are, uh, and then delivering that into the device, um, you know, based on that information. And should point out too that the fly this Flybits company, um, which is here in Toronto, is a spinoff uh, from the from Ryerson University right. uh, as well. Um, so you know, I think it's you know that for me is an important piece too to see that you know these universities are actually spawning companies that are doing real you know useful things that are affecting you know how, how we operate and what we're going to do. It's not just you know some research project that you know ends there you know but it but it's actually something that can be commercialized and, and make sense so you know i'd like to see those things happen you know here's here's the, it's apple and, and android right it is yeah it's both it's cross-platform yeah. of course if the city's going to cover it they, they have to do that and, and you know it's interesting that we're in ottawa and they're in toronto and there's no blackberry coverage but uh yeah that's another story now, now have you i mean being there have you seen this thing or seen any promotion for it yourself I uh, know the city is notorious for uh, for not being very good marketers unto themselves. Um, but but uh, you know here, here's here's the challenge that I would put out to anybody who's thinking about doing these kind of things, right? Is that it's not, you know, I'm I'm as interested as um, as uh, you know understanding the infrastructure delays and uh, construction zones uh, as I am at watching paint dry. Like this is not a criticism of this, right? And I think, but but this mm -hmm. might be a challenge for Ryerson. It might be a challenge for for Flybit. So I hope to sit down and have a conversation with, and maybe you can go out and visit them in Toronto as well. But here's the challenge: is that I don't I don't care about traffic, I don't care about construction, I don't care about school zones, I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is getting from A to B the fastest way possible, right? So uh, you know, it's not about identifying the, these spots on the map that is a challenge. It's about identifying the ways seamlessly without me having to tell you that I got around them and get to where I'm supposed to be going as fast as possible. And I think that that right. is what people miss in, the, in a lot of these apps is that they just display the obvious, right? Even Google Maps does it. It's like, hey, yeah. red, red on the highway at a rush hour. Well, no kidding. 
So yeah, so I mean, and, and the reality is, is you know, whether it's an app or a website or whatever, same. I think I think what you're saying, Rob, and I completely agree, is you know, the, these these services are are simply taking available data and creating a dashboard, right. Effectively for it, but yeah. you know, where where's the data analysis? Where's the insight that we actually can get from that data? You know, that makes it useful. Where's the outcome? Right. Um, you know, how, yeah. How how do we drive from that? Right. So it can't just be some visual representation of the data that's available. Right. Right. Um, which is basically our next story is a visual <laughs> representation of the data available. <laughs> and sometimes there's too much information. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially for home buyers. Yeah. This is Property Shark. Go ahead. Talk about this because yeah. so toxicity. This company, uh, this company called Property Shark uh, has put out this kind of data visualization. So like this this map of New York City and mapping the toxic sites uh, in New York City, right? Um, <laughs> and so the, 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 it's kind of a, a response to Mayor Bloomberg put out this kind of thing called Plan New York City uh, sustainability initiatives uh, a while back and one of the goals was to cut down emissions by 30 percent uh, by 2030. And so they so they released this thing, um, and it, it and they worked with a group called Toxics Targeting, which I assume is the guys that are kind of providing the data uh, behind this that they're that they've built this this visualization on, um, you know. And it, and when you look when you look at this thing, it's like, why would you want to live there? Why would you want to live anywhere? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you could take a map like and make this for any major any major city around the world and just look at all this toxicity everywhere uh, and, and the different forms of it and so on, which is what this thing does. Um, and it goes on to say, but it's really not that bad. And it's like, the best quote ever. You still live in New York City because it's a great city. And, you know, like, as you say, too much data can be a bad thing uh, unless you really, you know, have the ability to, you know, understand what this means or that is not really that relevant or you know what I mean? Like, like this could scare a lot of people, right? Well, of course it would. Cause if you look at the map of New York and New Jersey, it's basically covered right in these, <laughs> in these spots of toxicity. And, and, and then that quote is so great. It's like, Hey, but don't let that judge you. Like there's different variations or variants of toxicity. It's like, but it's still, I mean, there's a difference between spraying an aerosol can, right. And, and having yeah. gas leaks and toxic dumps, right. Uh, but yeah. you don't know the difference and I don't know the difference. And, and uh, like the, that's what's so funny about this map is that if you look at it, it's basically like uh, colors all over New York City and uh, New Jersey or and uh, Manhattan and, and New Jersey. And it's like um, this isn't a, I, I don't want to live there anymore. I don't. No. And, and they go on like in the in the in the comments here. It's like um, to kind of allay people's fears after having seen this thing that they put out. It's like it, it says most of New York City gets its drinking water from upstate. <laughs> As my colleague Jessica Lever points out, so fears about heavy metals and oil leaching into groundwater might not affect the average person directly. <laughs> well, it's it just, it, it's so weird. Like they're talking yeah. about t the toxic sites like uh, uh, tank failures, uh, gas spills. Um, these are like uh, different types of um, brown fields and solid waste disposal and other toxic, like, but yeah. it's all there. And, and um, yeah, like. And and it's not just the smell coming up from the from the subway from the sewer systems. It's just no. it, it, it's pretty funny. But if you're interested, you go to uh, propertyshark.com and, and they have a link from their website. But it's <laughs> how toxic is your city, man? Yeah. Now the real thing would be like, can we turn some of this stuff into energy, right? Yeah, um, exactly. You know how much how much of this toxin can we actually convert into something positive? Like there was a story, uh, and, and we'll move on to the next one. But there was a story like I think it was three or four weeks ago. Uh, in in London about the subway system and all the heat it generates, right. you know, down there, and they've been able to capture the heat and actually convert it into energy, um, you know, to feed back into the grid, uh, and that's kind of cool, right? Like that's yep. just yeah. I mean, there's so much heat underground there, like in that tube. Um, here's so here, yeah. Here's the plan though. Here, I got a, I got a great plan. Here's that we're gonna take all this toxicity, and we're gonna create some kind of nuclear sludge, and we're gonna feed it to some turtles. And they'll become the next crime-fighting band of ninja turtles and living in the sewers of New York City. I think we'll call right. them Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Sounds good. It's credible, man. It's cre I believe yeah. in them now. All right. So if you're interested right. in that, propertyshark.com. Uh, yes, and, and you know what? You're going to end up living in Canada. That's what I've got to say because uh, I'm, I swear there's less toxins up here, fewer toxins up here. It's just a little For colder because sure. they can't live in the weather that we have to suffer through in Canada. All right, our third story, talking about getting the hell out of the city. 
this is an interesting. I, I don't know where this is. Obviously, this is this is a British Airways uh, digital billboard. Uh, it's called the Magic of Flying, and it is amazing. The video is playing right now, and what it basically is, as you see this, is that there's as a plane flies over this billboard, this kid stands up and walks towards the plane as they see it over. Like literally, it's perfectly placed. The plane is flying over, and then the kid points up to the plane as it's at the right point where it's supposed to be pointing at it and the name of the flight and the destination of that flight the, the call numbers and the destination of that flight uh appear on the billboard it's a digital billboard and then the kid runs off and kind of tries to chase the plane and then a few minutes comes back and sits back down and then waits for the next british airways uh plane to come by uh, this this is a fascinating use of location and data uh but you have some you have some obvious concerns because it's right on side of a street where people are watching this happen and, and uh, that can't be safe no, so this is in London. Uh, this is in Piccadilly, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, from a data perspective, this is unbelievable. I mean, this is what we talk about every day about the future of digital billboards and out of home and how we bring location data and 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 make it contextual and all of that. And so, amazing, amazing work here. Uh, absolutely love this. But you know, at the same time, this is. I mean, if you're driving your car and you see some kid on a billboard pointing up to a plane in the sky flying above you, I mean. Distraction is is, is 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 you know the ultimate word there. I mean, like this is like I mean, you take your eyes off the wheel and now you're, you're looking up while you're driving a car, like to see what this kid's pointing at. I mean, that potentially you know is bad news, right? So potentially, yes. I'd say. <laughs> so when are they going to outlaw the ability right? to look at billboards in the car next? Right? Uh, yeah. What, what's next is is you know like you know they they bring this in the plane. They have the pilot look down. Uh, I remember I sat with Whirly. Remember Whirly from Chaotic Moon, one of my yes. favorite people of all time. Like uh, just an amazing, amazing, amazing guy. If you don't know who Whirly is, just do a search for Whirly. Uh, he's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I think he's a Microsoft fellow. He's like Mensa-level genius. He was up at Untethered Talks. He was just an amazing guy. Anyways, he uh, the very first time I talked with him, maybe three years ago, did an episode with him. It was like the nine-hour sit-in episode with Whirly. Um, he showed me this application, which is basically an augmented reality. He's a, he's a uh, augmented reality um, um, pundit. And uh, he was showing me this application that basically he held up to, you know, the sky and it showed all the planes that were flying over him and the, not the passenger manifesto, but the exact same thing, the call letters, the, yeah. uh, the, the plane type, uh, the capacity, the destination, um, you know, where it took off from. And he thought that this was great, but they were getting a lot of complaints, obviously, because it, uh, uh, privacy invasion. That was three years ago. Now you look at this and you think, well, you know, we're not yeah. that far off, but this is just packing it all in stationary location. I, I think this is an amazing use, but again, you're right. It's you know safety first. Yeah, yeah, and we should point out the so, so the rationale for for British Airways to do this and, and sort of the motivation is is by the way this thing's called the Magic of Flying is the name of this campaign if you're looking for it. Um, and and the goal is is that you know the kid's pointing to a plane and it's on its way you know or, or you know it's coming back from you know. Acapulco or something, um, you know, and, and the idea is, is you, you see this and you're like, hey, you know, I should book a flight on, on British Airways and go, go to Mexico right now. Um, right so this so that, that's what I'm they're out. hoping, you know, you know, will be the outcome of this billboard. But yeah, yeah I think it's got some challenges. Yeah, I would, say, I would say just a few. I mean, just as a as a case study, as an example, I think it's it's a it's a really great mashup yeah. of of real life digital uh, and uh, and trying to bridge the two. But uh, I mean, if you saw that video, you just look up and there's that kid pointing exactly at the right spot. You know, I know that it's filmed effectively, but he's pointing right at the spot where the plane is going to be. It's amazing timing. Anyways, so I got that's British Airways. Just go and do a search for uh, the magic of flying, and you will find that yep. video. But if you were watching this, in fact, you just saw it. All right, those are the uh, first three stories. Great stories. Uh, you know, I, I love uh, I love the feeling of this episode already. Uh, we're going to break for a moment here. Uh, we have uh, Jeremy Ozon, who is the co-founder of a company called Vistar Media at vistarmedia.com. Uh, they signed a, uh, a an agreement with Verve Mobile, who was our guest last week. And uh, this is the other side of that uh, that. Uh, relationship, but I, I really wanted to understand what Vistar was and what made them different. And and uh, I really liked the conversation I had with Jeremy. You're about to sit down and listen to it. So he talks a little bit about what Jeremy, uh, what uh, what Vistar does, as well as about what makes them a little bit different from everybody else out there. So if you uh, sit back and enjoy this little uh, interview with Jeremy Ozone, who is the uh, co-founder of Vistar Media. 
Well, welcome back, everybody. This is the interview section of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Of course, I am Rob Woodbridge, and I'm joined today from sunny Los Angeles. I can say that because it's freezing cold and snowy in Ottawa, and I'm always envious of sunny Los Angeles. I don't care if it is or not, but we're joined by uh, Jeremy Ozen, who is the co-founder of a company called Vistar Media. Jeremy, it's always sunny in LA, isn't it? Normally, yes. Today, not. <laughs> Today, not so much. Well, you're the co-founder of a company that uh, is two years old. You're based across the United States. Uh, this is your opportunity to talk about what it is. What is Vistar and, and why are you so relevant? We set out to build the platform that enables automated data-driven buying of what we call location-based video, but hopefully when we get into billboards, it'll be the whole digital out-of-home ecosystem. Um, but as we've been around and started to sell the media format, it falls very much into the location-based uh, trend that we're seeing around mobile. And so the lots of things that we're doing uh, around the same data, same measurement, same targeting. So it's very interesting uh, how this has evolved to kind of play into the mobility bucket. For this audience, Jeremy, it's a pretty mobile audience. So I've got to ask, I've always got to put this focus on the mobile space. So what, what's getting you excited about what you're doing from a mobile perspective? So what we're really excited about is kind of mobile and digital out of home converging. So um, there's, to me, it's not about the screen. And I think hopefully brands and agencies will start to see that more and more in 2014 and beyond. But there's almost going to be silos of where you can hit consumers. You can hit, hit them at home, probably tablet and TV. You can hit them on the go, which would be mobile plus digital out of home. And you know maybe work is probably uh, online. So the convergence of media formats that then cluster around consumer activity and consumer behavior and digital to home be, being part of what is a very exciting trend on mobile, that's, that's to me uh, where these things tie together. So the people that are in your audience that pay attention to mobile, and we've had great conversations with mobile buyers, uh, other, mo other mobile uh, companies, including Verve, who you spoke with last week, um, to bring these things together so that there's a kind of a synergy between the two. Um, and I'm speaking with you know, the largest out-of-home media owners at the highest levels. They're seeing that as well. So this convergence is not something that's, you know, it's not a drop in the bucket that's going to go away. This is something that the, for the people that are think they're on the cutting edge of mobile, uh, I would say like we're the most cutting edge of mobile, i.e. combining the two media formats. What do you guys do around location-based marketing? You're, you're, you're gathering intel, so to speak, anonymous intel and, and, uh, and uh, influencing buy decisions as a result of these people carrying, all of us carrying mobile devices? So the first thing is all the screens that are installed have very precise latitude longitude because as opposed to mobile where people are moving. Sorry, you froze there. Um, Say that as again. As, you where, said as opposed? As opposed to mobile where everyone's moving around, these screens are actually you know, stuck very much in the ground. So we know exactly the address, exactly the lat long. So um, the idea then is if you know exactly the address and the lat long of a screen, the question is, and had not been answered until we came along, can you get an idea of the consumers and the audience that visit those locations where those screens exist and use data to drive that decision making. And obviously, people having their phones on them, that, that is where the connection happens. So the idea would be and is knowing the location and knowing the types of people that are there, starting to use data to drive the decision making on which locations to buy at what time. So that's how it plays into location because the consumer's location matches up with the location of this of the inventory. And I mean obviously you're seeing some results, some great results. This is this is by no means a mature I made a joke about it before, but this isn't by no means an, a mature market. This is an emerging market. People are just starting to now get the idea of an inclination to start moving into this space. So you guys have had kind of two years of, as you said, cheerleading this industry. And I think that there's yeah. many more, right? Uh, but uh, you've obviously launched with some customers. I mean, what's the impact been for those guys? Has to be good. Uh, impact for the the buyers or the for sellers? The, for the, well, for both. Like, let's start with the buyers. Like, so, uh, you know, are are they getting deals at this moment? Is that what this is about? Deals still in that space? Um. Well, 
there certainly is more supply than demand. Um, so we built the system to be a full exchange. If there was an increase in demand, prices would go up. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, I guess you could say there are deals because... But this is the time to start. Like if you're thinking about it, right? Like Because eventually it's just going to get, you know, as you said, inventory will dwindle, right? Yeah. So the big difference, and this is a conversation we had with the media owners for a long time, the big difference between this and display, because everyone is scared of programmatic, it's a race to the bottom, yeah. there is actually a finite amount of this inventory. And to us, it's all premium. There is nothing below the fold. There's no user-generated content. Um, there's no questionable websites. Why do, you consider, are, why do you consider it premium all? Uh, because you don't have any of the things that are questionable um, inventory as in online. Right. So Yahoo's homepage is premium. Yep. People might say that Yahoo's fifth page on finance is not premium. No one sees it and it's got a very small audience. Um, and you've got user-generated content where you might be next to questionable content, uh, content yeah. right? Is that really media or is that just the internet throwing up ads all over the place? This is, so the reason we say this is all premium is because you're talking about huge amounts of dollars to install screens in locations that are high traffic and captive audiences. So I like to say in meetings, what mall is not a premium environment? You know, why would you never want to be in a mall? It's not like you're going to be seen next to questionable content. It's a place that people are shopping. Same goes for office buildings, gas stations, gyms, and all, as well as digital billboards. There's nothing questionable about it. So that's why it's all premium. And I would, I would assume that because of what you're doing with the data, you're taking, you know, patterns and habits, like great video on your website that says, listen, hey, you, you, you understand that, you know, if, if, uh, if the cell phone owner drops kids near a school, obviously they, they're more likely to be parents. And then you can start pushing them information uh, based on the things that you're inferring as a result of their, their travels. So I would assume also that it's premium because of that, right? The message that they're getting in front of them on those screens is of the highest quality based on who they are and what they'd be interested in. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a layer that we're adding. Yeah. Uh, before we existed, we would have argued the media was premium because it's a full video and as, you know, all the things I mentioned before. But getting on top of it and saying, now you can hit that mom who just dropped off their kids while she's at the gas station and you know highly likely with 30% odds she's going to go shopping either today or tomorrow. That's all data that exists in the, this ecosystem of location-based media. And now we can hit them along that path to purchase. So the data is just the next step to make it almost a, you can't argue with why you should be buying it. You have to, be, you have to start buying it if you're a brand and you're uh, ignoring it at this point. It's funny because that's kind of like the, this discussion like that we went from features, which was, hey, it's a video ad to actually value creation, right? Which is that it's not just a video ad, it's a video ad targeted to your habits and your patterns where the the ability or the likelihood that you're gonna buy has increased. And you must be seeing that now with, with some of your customers that, that obviously people are spending more money or that it's converting higher? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing people that are, first of all, buying the media format that had no rationale or reason to buy it before. Yeah. And we're starting to you know, we get asked for case studies all the time, unfortunately, because of how new we are selling. We don't have yet, but we'll see that next year. And I'm almost positive you'll see the conversion rates for the targeting, meaning that getting people in stores and actually buying products. I can't see how using data is going to lead to lower conversion rates compared to not uh, untargeted. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, putting up an ad, it, it, you know, it, it's uh, at least you're now be able to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Exactly. Where where can we send people uh, to go to find out more information about you guys? Um, I think our website is probably the best. We we have done a. I was speaking at the iMedia Breakthrough Summit, so there's a um, a pretty long, maybe 15 minute video there. Michael, my co-founder, spoke at the industry trade event um, on a on a panel. There's a 45 minute video of that. That's all from our YouTube. I think that's on our YouTube site. Sure. Um, so if you search for Vistar Media on YouTube, you'll get those two as well. And then all the press on our on our website is, and that video that you found is, I think you you hit all those, you'll hit basically everything there is for us to say or have said at this point. Well, uh, for those of you uh, who are interested, you should go to Vistar Media, V-I-S-T-A-R media.com, Vistar media.com. We've been speaking with Jeremy Ozen, who is the co-founder of Vistar Media. Jeremy, thank you so much for being on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Thank you, Rob.
And that was Jeremy Ozen, who is the co-founder of Vistar Media. If you're interested, check them out at vistarmedia.com. Thank you, Jeremy, for coming on and uh, sharing your story on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. All right, back into the stories, my friend. Uh, you know, the uh, French-Canadian in me, or the proximity to French, I always thought that this, this story was about the bon ton, but it's not. It's a good thing you're doing this. No. It's about the Bonton. The Bonton, um, not the Bonton. And it's about NFC shoe marketing. Um, <laughs> Pardon yeah. me? L let me? Let me talk about that. Yeah. So this is about, uh, you know, the Bonton, a big retail chain on, on the East Coast in particular, um, and about selling more shoes. And, and so basically you walk into a store um, and you're looking for a shoe, and if that shoe's uh, not available in the store, there's a, a display shoe there that is, you know, uh, um, RF and NFC enabled. And basically, if you have an NFC enabled phone, you can kind of go up to the shoe and it can tell you where the closest bonton is that you can find the shoe that you want. Or you can be directed to the mobile site where you can buy the shoe online. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't, know how, Kinda, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I, you know, I have to say, I'm not, I'm not fully, you know, convinced that this is a good thing. I, yeah. I think, you know, this is, you know, them as a retailer saying, hey, you know, we got to get on board with technology, and, you know, there's there's some good stuff going on there, and so let's do try this out with shoes. And they've got some in-store digital signage stuff that in, tells people about the NFC and 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 all of that as well. So I do like that piece that they've kind of tied it in with other media. Um, you know, I would say. Personally, uh, and you know, I don't do a lot of shoe shopping, but I would say if I walk into a store and I'm looking for a pair of shoes and they don't have the shoes, you know, it might be better to say, hey, you're already in the store. Let me recommend a different pair of shoes that, you know, might meet your needs that we do have in stock. Um, that would be my personal preferred approach as opposed to, you know, go to this other Vonton store that is, you know, six. 15 miles away and uh, you know maybe you can get the shoes there so I don't know um, I, I kind of mixed on this one um, you know it might be technology for the sake of technology yeah and that's that's my feeling is that um, you know uh, maybe the idea is interesting but they already have their inventory controls and it's not so hard to talk to a sales rep unless they're trying to get rid of those people uh, and uh, and go completely peopleless, which is not the best way to do it uh, I, I know that they're rolling this out uh, in 30 stores over 11 states so maybe this is the trial. I'd be interested to see what the conversion rates are on this and to understand what, you know, what the outcome is. And if they actually were able to keep that client whose shoe was not in the store and actually convert them, right? Because I, yeah. I, what I like about this is that there are some ways that now, listen, if I have an NFC enabled phone, which we know is less than, a, you know, 15% of the phones that are out there. So the technology is not great. Um, like low energy Bluetooth would have been better. Um, yeah. But aside from all that is that if i've made that connection i've tapped whatever the shoe is then there's then you've got that connection it's like signing up for a mailing list or something like that that allows me or enables me to communicate with the with the end user maybe that's the play here i'm not sure yeah. but technology for technology's sake doesn't doesn't go well with me there's still that human element that i think is very important inside of the store and we always talk about this we always talk about this is that the differentiator right now in retail is the customer experience, the experience Absolutely. you have in the store. And the last thing I want to do is walk up to an inanimate object like a shoe and tap the shoe. I'd rather tap a customer yeah. service rep on the shoulder and say, I need some help, please. I mean, obviously somebody at, at the Bonton, you know, is, is, you know, of a certain generation like us where they remember Get Smart or something and they think, you know, a, <laughs> a technology-enabled shoe is the way to go. Um, the shoe phone. For those of you who don't know, yeah, look up Get Smart. Yes. You know, and I guess my other thought when I saw this story was, you know, getting people to a store, um, and once they're in the store, like, I mean, you have them, you know, yeah. you want to capture them, you want them to, you know, recommend something else to them if you don't have the product. Because, you, know, you know, the chances, you know, them buying the shoe online, you know, I, I can't see that being great. They're in the store because they want to experience product. Right. They want an experience, period. Yep. I think the other thing that, that they should be thinking about in this is is that if you don't have the product in store, help people understand that before they get to the store, yeah. right? Give them, you know, through your app, real-time inventory data, make that available, help them put the product on hold uh, if necessary and pick it up at the store when they need to. You know, there's platforms, great platforms out there like Retailigence that does that. There's, you know, the uh, the Milo side with, uh, you know, over at eBay and, and, and all of that. So, I mean... 
use some of this stuff to take the data that you're obviously using here, which is your real-time product inventory data, and make that available to people so that they don't make a trip to a store and then have to figure out and go talk to a shoe to figure out whether it's available or not. So, you know, I don't know. I just think, you know, if we're going to use technology, let's use the right technology, uh, you know, to provide the right experience. And is this on every shoe or is it just on one shoe? And if it's just on one shoe, it doesn't work, right? And it has to be on every single shoe. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like um, that's that's the challenge I have here is that you have to have every single shoe connected that way or else it doesn't work. And if they're doing that, that's fine. But I'm with you. Same day delivery. Like even, in, you know, yeah. instead of doing all this technology, just say, hey, listen, that shoe's not available, but we'll get it to you by tonight at your home. Pay for it now. We're You're in the store. We love you. And we'll, look, but for your inconvenience, we're going to throw in a pair of socks. Right. Like it's that customer service that's going to create yes. brand loyalty with these people. And I think that that's what the challenge is that is out there. It's not the technology for technology's sake. It's about engaging deeper with your customer who's walked into your freaking store. Yeah. And it's all the I mean, like it says right in the thing, it's, it's thousands of SKUs of shoes that yeah. are in this in the system here. So, yeah, I just yeah. I, I think that there's 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 a disconnect there. And, and technology is interesting, but so are people. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I went into right. uh, I went into Payless shoes, and I was trying to find a pair of winter boots because it got we got dumped in snow and right like a tremendous amount of snow. I'm out there shoveling on my running shoes, and it's not something that you want to do. I made the mistake of chucking my winter boots before I had a new pair, thinking that oh, don't worry, it won't it won't snow. Um, but I'm in Ottawa, and it snows all the time. So I went into a Payless. I found the shoes. They didn't have my size. They said, hey, listen, here is, uh, we found it here and it was too far away. But then they gave me this incentive and it was an interesting experience, right? Which they said, you know, here's also a $5, uh, you know, um, inconvenience discount, right? Where they said, yep. okay, it's just, they printed out, it's at this store. They have inventory over here. It's $5 inconvenience fee for you if you go and get it. The problem was it was 20 kilometers from where I right. was, right? Uh, and I thought that is too much of an inconvenience for that five bucks. So I know what my price is. I thought, listen, yeah. I went to them and I said, you know, if that was $20, I would go right now. But $5, I'm going to go next door and buy the pair of boots. And they couldn't do anything about that. You know, and, and I think yep. that that's an interesting experience. And, and certainly with Bonton, it might be interesting to start to think about that as well as, as, as they've gone on. But yes. Yeah. All right. That's four story. Yeah. Now, some of those people, you know, will go the 20 kilometers and they'll go there in their car. Yeah, and, and, and it burns like $9 worth of gas. <laughs> which brings us to our next story, right? Yes, it does. Which is, you know, about the car. Uh, I love these segues. You know, we've talked about that connected car a few times. And so this is, yeah, our good friends over at Placecast yeah. who've been powering carriers forever, it seems, in our world with, you know, location-based geo-fenced content have ventured uh, into a new market, which is let's deliver content into the car, into the screen in the car. Uh, and so they've teamed up with uh, AHA Radio, mm -hmm. uh, which is a company that's been you know delivering content into the car for some time, which is uh, part of Harman, I believe, yes. uh, uh, if I'm right on that one. I'll do some research. Um, you keep talking. Yeah, and, and so they're, they're you know these are retailers can sign up uh, uh, with these guys with this you know uh, AHA uh, Placecast combo. And you can geofence your stores, and basically, you know, as people are driving and they're listening to, you know, uh, radio through the system, you'll get pop-ups uh, on your on your display on the radio display or, or your nav screen, depending on, on on the type of vehicle that it is, um, with with this content. And you can simply touch a button on there that will then, um, you know, you'll get the deal sent to your smartphone from from the from the nav screen or from the radio screen to your smartphone uh, via Placecast. Uh, and, and so that's kind of an interesting thing, I, you know, and I think, you know, that battle that we talked about, about, you know, screen real estate and the ability, to, you know, to kind of look at this is not just the smartphone. It's about all these screens around us uh, and all these media types around us. Um, you know, this is yet another example of, you know, I think a good, you know, uh, way to look at the future of how we execute around this. It's a dashboard, buddy. I've talked about this all the time. Is that that mm. is the car dashboard? There's a home dashboard, yeah. an entertainment dashboard, a kitchen dashboard, a bedroom dashboard, an office dashboard. Yeah. There's a car dashboard. And what is at the center here? It's not a smart car. It's not a nope. smart TV. It is not a smart fridge. It is not a smart clock. It is a smart phone. You've already got the smarts. Now all yep. you need is the connectivity. You need to be able to bring this device and walk into a spot or sit in a seat and it automatically work on the screen that's in front of you. And that is exactly what these guys did. That's why I am a huge fan of Placecast. I don't like the implementation here. 
because you know I, I i feel feel very strongly that this is a huge play here for apple and itunes radio and siri or nuance voice ads i think yep. this is the perfect place for it right where i can interact uh, you know i didn't think very highly of nuance uh, voice ads but this in the car i'm driving down the road instead of a screen popping up that says i have to actually physically yeah. move my hand to the touch the screen to say i like that um, what I would love to be able to do is have the voice re response say, would you like this? And I, all I have to do is say yes. Yeah, and it's automatically sent to your phone from it's, there, right? I mean, that I so completely close. agree, right? It, it's, but, but the concept of how they've taken this data and the yeah. content and driving it into the vehicle awesome. uh, is, is genius, yeah. right? And PlaceCast and AHA, you know, congrats, guys, on, on pulling this thing off. Now let's just add that extra layer Rob's talking about. You know, Rob's available if you need him for, uh, for help around this kind of stuff. But you know, let's add that extra layer. Let's build a voice uh, command into this thing and, 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 and make it all, you know, work seamlessly. It's available on about 50 car models right now from 10 major manufacturers, I understand, um, and probably battle. more to come. This is just such yeah. a big battle. The auto is such a huge yeah. battle. And I'm reading uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's book, uh, which is a Jab, 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 Right Hook, which is about social media and providing value. And, and the one thing that I get out of this huge book, this great book that, that uh, Gary's writing, slow start, gets much better when he gets into the case studies. But what he talks about is contextualizing everything. We talk about it all the time, and that's why I love about this, is that mm. he talks about not just context like location and time and who you are, but also the platform that you're speaking to. So, you know, he talks about the fact that, listen, Pinterest is a visual medium, and Facebook is a visual medium, and Twitter is a text-based medium, and if you screw that up, you screw up your engagement rates, and the engagement rates are ridiculous when you screw when you do it properly. And if you do it improperly, it, it you know there's no engagement. And here's a perfect example: is that don't make me look at a screen. That's the last yeah. thing. Don't make me look at a screen when I'm in a car because that's illegal for most places, right? I can't look at my smartphone screen. Don't make me do that. So I think that there's just that last piece. Like they've come, they're 99.9% .9 the way there. Now they just have to integrate voice, and uh, but I, I really like this, and I like what other companies like Triton Digital are doing uh, along the same lines. A little bit deeper engagement from the radio, uh, you know, simply leveraging the audience base. But I love this on the smartphone, understanding who I am, yeah. and what I know, and making sure that all of a sudden that ad is relevant to me. Um, and then for all, sure, all I, I mean, and, yes. and it, yeah, Triton uh, absolutely in this space. Roximity, Roximity uh, yep. which is doing you know. Same thing deals into the nav screen in the car um you know all of these guys you know let's add that little voice piece like you know let's bring that in, into the mix and then um, just close it off like pinch it yep. off and i think that uh, i like it so aha radio is a h a radio remember the band aha remember that yeah uh, yes i do remember that one of the very coolest videos of of its generation man that's uh well that's my generation um so aha radio it is a harman carden harman company and of course you can go to uh, placecast.com our good friends there god love what these guys are doing they're everywhere and this is it I love when I'm right. The one time I can say that is like the battle for the dashboard, buddy. This is this is it. We're we're witnessing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so from from PlaceCast to this place called Rehab Studio, our last story, we're talking about the storefront of the future. Uh, you know, this is an interesting thing. You're watching the video as I'm talking about this. If you're not, well, let me describe it for you. It is quite simply just a contextualized, uh, low-energy Bluetooth-enabled screen as you're walking past a store that knows and understands who you are and displays an appropriate product for you, and you basically can go up and tap and buy or, or purchase uh, through any other kind of low-energy Bluetooth mechanism. Um, and this vision is so great, but I really want somebody to just implement, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to build these concept videos and and talk about what you know what what we could do. Um, but the reality is, is all this technology is, is available today, yeah. uh, and and readily available to anybody who wants to build it. Um, and, and so, you know, maybe maybe you know the the argument is is that you know we as consumers behaviorally aren't ready for it. Maybe maybe. Um, you know, but I don't think so. I, I think, you know, we don't get there unless, you know, a brand or a retailer or somebody steps out and says, we're just doing this and and, and we're going to put it out there and we're going to experiment, uh, experiment and test and, and make this stuff happen. Um, what do you think? Why do you we, think? And, we, and certainly on this show for over three years, we, we've talked about lots of brands who've make, taken those steps. I mean, we talked, you know, what, a few weeks back about Tesco doing yep. face scanning. Yep. Um, you know, that's a brand saying this stuff's available. We're going to give it a shot. Um so yeah, I'm with you. I mean, 
the video looks amazing. You know, the context Slick. of what they're doing with this screen is, is crazy, right? Yep. So let's get somebody to actually go and, and make this thing happen. Um, and, and, you know, and I, and I think, you know, I'll, I'll take, you know, from the LBMA's perspective, you know, some responsibility for that, too. I mean, part of our job as an industry association is, is to work with our brands, work with our tech companies, and create these mashups and, 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 and facilitate these tests and these pilots a little bit, too. So, you know, you know it's maybe it's you, just you know, a matter of taking this great video and showing it around to some of these brands and saying, who wants to, you know, put up your hand if you want to do this because we'll, we'll help you make it happen. What do you um, think, what do you think is, is, is stopping people? Is it just that they're not really – the technology isn't there for the payments? We're really not we're, – we're too concerned about, uh, about privacy and about understanding who we are as we're walking by a screen. And I know there's talk about that is that as you walk by, how do you – protect what what you're seeing from people behind you yeah i don't think it's that you know i think we're getting more comfortable with the privacy issues you know what i think ultimately you know stops a lot of these things is what you see in that video requires you know a mashup of a lot of different technologies coming together a lot of different vendors coming together a lot of people partnering together and and so what happens is is you end up in in scenarios i mean just look at what we just talked about placecast and ahara radio there's still a piece missing, right? Nuance, yeah. you know, the, the Siri, whatever, the voice piece is not there. And, and so in order to execute on this kind of full vision, which is what you see in the video here, there's really probably four or five, you know, partners plus the brands that all have to come together and participate in this. You probably need, you know, the, uh, you know, the carrier facilitating payments on your bill, uh, you, know, you know, as part of that equation over here. Yeah. Right. Because it's sucking data off your phone to drive the context. You need the screen guys that can deliver that. You know, like so. It's it is about you know building that little ecosystem and getting everybody to play nicely together. Um, otherwise, you know, the costs are just crazy prohibitive and and don't work. To, what? to commercially make this thing work. No, you don't. And, and there's so many things that need to go into it, right? So. As you've just kind of identified, is that not only carrier billing, and then you also have to understand your your purchasing habits and the things that you like and dislike. So you think about like a, a complete combination of all of your social interactions, uh, scanning of your emails, all your purchases. Remember that company called Blippy? I think they they uh, basically yep. uh, you know uploaded your credit card payments um, and made recommendations based on your credit card payments. So you you or what you bought with your credit card, and so you need all of that. You basically need up here in Canada, it's the Interact uh, system. It's the yep. Interact company, and it knows every one of your purchases based on what you've used your your debit card for you need all of that data jammed into the phone and easily accessible for this this screen to be able to make a, a recommendation or a purchase for you a recommendation of a purchase for you and i think that also plays into this is that everybody's in these little silos of their data yeah and even though i i want my medical history and my purchasing history and my social likes and dislikes and everything every movie that i've ever seen jammed into one thing so that as i walk by that screen something magical happens the likelihood of that happening right now not so much. And then, right. as you said, when that happens, should that ever happen, if that ever happens, then I want to be able to pay for it right away on my credit card or my, on my uh, cable bill. Probably not going to happen, right? Not for a while. So I think that there's, there's so, so many things. The technology is there. I just think that the, the rest of it hasn't kind yeah. of gelled at this point. It's interesting, though. Like, yeah. I love the visions. I love the visions. Like Bill Gates yeah. and, and his uh, you know, digital art and... And his, uh, you know, his, his future home. So, I don't know. Excellent. But it's All interesting. Right. So, if you're interested, go to rehabstudio.com. Video was, uh, we, we played here, but they've got a good video there. If you just do a search for the storefront of the future, you'll see it on, on YouTube as well. Okay, so six stories down. We got our resource left, which is an interesting play. We've talked about it a couple of times here during this episode around comparing QR codes and NFC. And I think this is one of those unique um, infographics that talks really about this battle. I think it's a battle that's going on between QR codes and NFC, and I don't think it's a real battle anymore because they're two distinct technologies, but it tells you the difference in the players in each one of these things, and it's, it's unique enough. And the statistic that I got out of it was the one that I used already, which was that right now, roughly 15% of the phones that are out there, 290 million phones versus the 1.85 billion worldwide phone shipments that happened in 2015 or in 2013. Uh, so just about 15 and a bit percent 
are NFC enabled up to 26% by 2015. And Apple not playing in this space, which is the biggest thing, focusing on low energy yep. Bluetooth. And I think that those numbers, you start to think about, well, what's the real play here for, for NFC uh, versus any of the other technologies? But uh, it's fascinating, very in-depth uh, uh, um, infographic. It's actually very in-depth. Yeah, and, and the stat on QR codes is interesting, too. Only 9% of adults in the U.S. have used a QR code. Yeah. And this is in 2012. I mean, that, I mean that's staggering to me that, that it's, it's, it's so low. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> well, you know, it, it's interesting, but yeah, a very, a very good uh, infographic here, kind of putting it all together, defining, you know, starting by defining what NFC and what QR is, and and a nice little section on why Apple, why they think Apple's betting against the industry too. Well, yeah, there's like five reasons why Apple's betting against the industry, and I think you know uh, they, they could be spot on with this because you you know they. Or they could just be waiting, right? You know, but I think that they're they're right. Is that we've often talked about the fact that hey, you know what? Apple already has its you know closed payment system in iTunes. So why would they need yeah, to, exactly. to do use NFC for payments? So they must see that as as uh, as a non-starter. I should mention before we go any further. I don't I don't mean to uh, jump back, but I should say that the uh, credit for that um, infographic that we just talked about is uh, Kristen Alabin, who is from uh, Launch Squad. So Kristen, if you're listening to this. Thank you for sending that my way. And if you have one that is like that out there that you think should be a part of this, please reach out. Let, send it by email. And, and if it's relevant to our audience, we will include it. And that's what Kristen did. And I've actually got some interviews that she's lined up for me as well from some of her uh, clients for Untether.tv. So, Kristen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. All right. Well, that is it for 158. Asif, uh, you know, enjoy uh, you guys who are listening, watching wherever you are, whatever you are doing. Please come back next week for 159. And uh, we'll see you then. Take care. Excellent.